All right, let's turn back and look back again there at Numbers chapter 14, and I want to draw your attention to verses 23 and 24. It says, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Our subject tonight is simply a lesson from the life of Caleb. A lesson from the life of Caleb. Now, I realize tonight that Numbers 14 is packed with expositional thoughts and things that if we were to go verse by verse, uh, we would be dealing with many, many subjects and many, many topics. Uh, We could deal with the murmuring of the children of God and how God responded to that and was responding in a way that how long was he going to endure with them? How long was he going to continue uh, to, uh, to deal with what they were doing? And we see the beautiful picture of uh, Moses acting as an intercessor on behalf of the children of Israel and asking God to forgive their iniquities. And yet we have this common theme that we saw in three different verses with a mention of the name Caleb and the mention of the name Joshua. Of course, both of these names are familiar to those of us that have uh, been in the Word for any amount of time. Uh, Joshua is probably the one that's the most well-known. There's an entire book with his name on it. But Caleb is also one that is mentioned. And you'll notice that when we look at this passage and we look at specifically these two verses in 23 and 24, we see that the Lord's inspired word mentions him as my servant Caleb. And that certainly is a wonderful statement. It's a wonderful thought that Caleb is a servant of the Lord. And it goes on to describe various characteristics about him. We see verse 23 says that he has another spirit with him. And it says he has followed me fully. And then there's the promise that him will I bring into the land where into he went and his seed shall possess it. Now throughout the Old Testament there are many characters. There are many people that uh, are what we would refer to as uh, Old Testament pictures of Jesus. They are, old, they are Old Testament pictures of Christ. Caleb does not qualify really as a type of Christ. He's not, he's not one that would fit the, the characteristics of what a type of Christ would be. However, we do see that the story of Caleb's faithfulness, the story of Caleb being faithful to the Lord, is an excellent text to consider Uh, the gospel and to consider the gospel of Christ and how God through Christ is faithful to all who believe in him. There's no doubt that Caleb believed God. There's no question that Joshua believed God. These two men who were uh, sent out to spy out the land were the only two men who were willing to say, listen, God has said we need to possess that land and God has said we ought to go. And they were the only ones that said, let's go and possess it. The response to them, we'll look at this in in depth a little bit later, was to stone them. Here's two faithful preachers. Here's two faithful men that are just giving, thus saith the Lord, and yet men wanted to stone them. Now, before we look at this lesson from the life of Caleb, 
Uh, let's do just a quick review of where we are in Israel's history. The Old Testament is sometimes very difficult to get your arms around and get your hands on because there's so many things happening. But we know that the children of Israel in, in the Old Testament history, uh, they had encamped at the uh, below Mount Sinai for about a, one solid year. And it was during that time when they were encamped at the foot of Mount Sinai that that's where the law, the tabernacle, the feast days, that's where all those things were introduced to them. That's where these, these things really became real. And of course, as they were moving across the desert, they had the cloud and it mentions there uh, in verse number 14 that in the daytime when they were to move, the cloud would move. They followed wherever the cloud went uh, until they, they came to a, a place called Kadesh Barnea uh, on the very edge of the desert and on the border of the very land that God had promised them. So they had been guided by a, a cloud in day. They had been guided by a pillar of fire at night and they had reached the border. They had reached the, the, the border of Canaan or the promised land. And so as they get there, uh, Numbers chapter 13, and we read an extended scripture reading tonight, so we're not going to read all of Numbers 13. But Numbers 13, uh, really verses 1 through 20, gives the Lord ordering Moses to send out these men to search the land. Now, uh, he had already given them the land, and we need to keep that in mind. This is already God. He's already has the possession of it, and he's ordered them, I want you to go and spy out the land. The Bible says in Numbers 13, verses 23 through 27, that the spies were in the land for 40 days. And in those 40 days, they saw what was in the land. They saw everything the land had to offer. And they also saw the giants. They saw the enemies. They saw the fearful things. And they returned. And as they returned, they brought fruits from the land. They brought things that demonstrated that, that the ground was good, that everything looked good. And they brought a report about the land and its inhabitants. Uh, we see in Numbers 13, verse 23, they came into the brook of Eshkel and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare between two upon a staff, and they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. The place was called the brook Eshkel because of the cluster of grapes with the children of Israel cut down from thence, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They told him and said, We came into the land whether thou sentest us and surely... It floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. They bring the fruit. They say, this is, this is beautiful land. This is exactly as you said it would be. It's beautiful. But then the next word we see, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell there. They saw the fruit, they saw the promises, God possessed it, God owned it, God promised it, but they saw the enemy. They saw the people. And they said those people are strong. Those people are strong, the cities are walled, and doubt begins to creep in. We cannot take the promised land. All of those spies, except for two, Joshua and Caleb, discourage the people from entering into the land. 
Numbers 13, verses 31 through 33 talks about their discouragement. Verse 32 says they brought up an evil report of the land that they had searched. The land which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. You see what the majority is doing. The majority of the spies are saying this is an evil report. We're bringing this up. There's too many obstacles. There are too many things. And these inhabitants are of a giant stature. But Caleb and Joshua very simply believed God. Numbers 13.30 tells them, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it. For they are stronger than we. Notice this. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against people, for they are stronger than we. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. The majority says, We can't overcome it. Caleb says, We can overcome it. You see the faithfulness of Caleb all over what he's saying here. Numbers 14, we read that entire text. We won't read it again, but verses 6 through 9, Caleb delivers this message and he, he says we, we got to obey God and we need to enter into, this, enter into this land and we need to do it now. And verse 10 shows that the people would not hear these two faithful preachers, but rather they listened to the majority and they would have stoned God's servants. Imagine delivering the truth. Imagine being promised, being able to see the land. The land's been spied out. It has been exactly what God said it would be. But just for the sake of a stronger people, they begin to doubt the promises of God. All through it, Caleb and Joshua believe God. All through it, Caleb is like, we need to move forward. We need to continue. We need to obey God. It, it says there that uh, verse 8 and Numbers 14, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Neither fear the people there, he says. Do not let your fear of the people keep you. And look, this is, a, this is an amazing statement. For they are bread for us. Caleb believed God. I entitled this simply a lesson from the life of Caleb, really focusing on his faithfulness. It's more of a character study tonight. The faithfulness of Caleb. This is just one aspect of Caleb's life. This is just one aspect, but it's his faithfulness. It's his faithfulness that even in the face of strong walled cities, and an enemy that is stronger than they, or at least the perception was that the enemy was stronger. We know that God was already stronger, but in their eyes, the enemy was stronger. He says, they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. He basically says they're already disarmed. They already don't have what we have. The Lord is with us. They would have stoned them, but God turned the people back. And we saw as we read through that lengthy chapter that he turns them back and ultimately announces that they are going to die in the wilderness. 
Basically, it was given that all who were over 20 years of age, except for Joshua and Caleb, would never enter into the land. Numbers 14, 28, or 14, 24, and then 28 through 33. It's significant to think about this. It's significant to think that of all those people that were there, only Caleb and Joshua would go in. It is significant also to note that Caleb was and was of and represented the tribe of Judah. Caleb, again, does not fit the classic profile of a type of Christ, but he did come from the tribe of Judah, which, of course, is where our faithful Lord, our Redeemer, sprung forth from. So Caleb, dealing with his faithfulness tonight, Caleb the faithful, we see in verse 23, had another spirit with him. What made Caleb faithful? Caleb was not faithful because he roused himself to faithfulness. Caleb was not faithful because he spoke to himself in the mirror every morning, be faithful, be faithful, be faithful. He was faithful because he had another spirit with him. That is key to understanding Caleb's faithfulness. There is nothing we can do to motivate ourselves spiritually to be faithful without another spirit. The name Caleb is an interesting name. It's of a Hebrew origin. The name as its classic name means, so when when people go to name children and they think about the name Caleb, the name means devotion to God. The name is thought though, in this work it's interesting, the name is thought to be derived from the Hebrew Kelev, which is K-E-L-E-V. This is just a side note for you, which the Hebrew word Kelev means dog. Now, I thought this is kind of interesting. We have this name Caleb as its Hebrew origin means devotion to God, but it also, it comes from the Hebrew components K-A-L and L-E-V, which together mean the whole heart. And I kind of chuckled at this because it kind of says that we could say about Caleb that he was a faithful dog. I did. I chuckled at it. I thought this is interesting to me. Now, why his father gave him the name faithful dog, I don't know. But it's interesting that when you look at the word dog throughout Scripture, and again, I don't want to go too far on this, but you find that people throughout Scripture who the Lord Jesus Christ Himself had shown great mercy to, who He had revealed Himself and His work to, were never too proud to call themselves a dog. As a matter of fact, a hard name to say, Mephibosheth, Saul's kin, if you will, called himself a dead dog when he was confronted with the mercies of David. Remember, David promised Jonathan that he would take care of Saul's family, which that is a remarkable story in of itself, that David was faithful and he took care of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth called himself, I'm like a dead dog when I look and I consider your mercies. Think about the story in Matthew chapter 15, verses 25 through 27, where the Canaanite woman acknowledged she was a dog before the Lord. She just wanted crumbs from the master's table. This idea of the dog here is a picture of humility. It's a picture of uh, I, am, I am willing to be lessened in order that my Lord might be magnified. 
We also see other people in Scripture who were blessed to see the glory of God in Christ. They confessed themselves to be nothing before Him. And yes, even like these examples we saw, uh, even dogs. Job and Job 42, as we looked a little bit of Job's story last week, he was, he was not afraid to be humbled. Um, Isaiah, as he's standing before the Lord, uh, humbles himself before the throne. And of course, the Apostle Paul himself says, I am, I am the, the least of all the apostles. So I think what you see, this spirit that's in Caleb, is this spirit of humility. It's the spirit of faithfulness it's this spirit that he understood what God had done when we think about this from an application for ourselves tonight we think about you know Christ himself if we know our Bibles know he did not come to call the righteous he didn't come to call the good he didn't come to call the people that had it all together he didn't come to call the people who were good moral people he came to save sinners like you and I People who were least of all. Nothing to gloat about. Nothing to boast about. He died for the ungodly, Romans 5 tells us. A person in order to be converted and in order to even understand has to be humbled before they even realize their need of a Savior. They need to be brought low. Salvation humbles a man. Salvation humbles you. If our salvation brings arrogance to us, we do not understand salvation. We do not understand the gospel. The gospel humbles. There is no room for pride in the gospel. There's nothing we can glory in. We can only glory in the cross, as the Apostle Paul said. God brings us to the dust of nothingness in order that God, through Christ, gets all of the glory. Before God even gives a man an opportunity to open his mouth to speak the gospel, he closes his mouth until he learns what the gospel is. Think about the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. His conversion, he was not sent out immediately to begin. He, had, he went and, and for years was being taught, here's what the true gospel is, because all those years he was nothing but a religious heretic. He didn't know the gospel. So faithfulness comes not from man's intellect. Faithfulness comes from this other spirit. Faithfulness follows Christ by the power and strength of His Spirit. My son Caleb had another spirit with him. It is not even by our own wisdom that we believe. It's not by our merit that we receive God's grace. It's not by our good works or our power that we stand. It is by the Holy Spirit of God is what and who we are is by the Spirit. It's not by our might. It's not by our power. But it's by His Spirit. We are made willing in the day of His power. The day He redeems us. We're kept by that power. And we're kept in all glory. Psalm 115 is to be to God. The true believer doesn't take credit for anything he or she has done. How does this apply to Caleb? That's the spirit that Caleb had. Caleb believed God. Three times in that text in Numbers 14, it says, save Joshua and Caleb, except the only two. 
out of that group of people. They were the only ones that were, that were allowed to go in because the others were taken over in unbelief. Caleb, the faithful, had another spirit with him. Literally, it says about him that he hath followed me fully. The word fully there means complete. It's a commendation of Caleb. Now, this is not a declaration of perfection. This is not God saying that Caleb always did what was right. Caleb never sinned again. There's always the reality. Just like last week when we were learning about Job, it said he was a just and an upright man. It doesn't mean that he was sinless. And it doesn't mean that he didn't have struggles. And it didn't, doesn't mean he didn't have times when he questioned what was happening to him. But yet it says about Caleb here that he followed the Lord fully. If you'll turn over to Numbers 32, we are fast forwarding here just a bit. But you'll notice what is said about him even in Numbers 32.12. Again, it's talking about in verse 11, it says, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upward shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not, look at this, they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite and Joshua the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. There's a distinction between those who have not wholly followed and those who have. The biblical everlasting testimony of Caleb and Joshua was that they wholly followed the Lord. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have on a tombstone? That you wholly followed the Lord? That's quite a testimony. It's quite a testimony that we're seeing that this is God that said this about these two men. This is not Caleb and Joshua saying it about themselves. It's not them saying, hey, we wholly followed. This is the everlasting testimony of God himself. If you'll turn over to the book of Joshua, you see, you see it made mention again of this faithfulness and him wholly following Joshua 14, and look at verse number 9. Joshua 14, verse number 9. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And you go back and you read uh, back in verse 6. It says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite and said unto them, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. There's a testimony even in the book of Joshua about Caleb's faithfulness and how he wholly followed the Lord. But what is it? To follow the Lord. How do we make an application tonight for ourselves? Faithfulness follows the voice of God. Faithfulness follows the voice of God. Remember what Caleb said in there in Numbers 14. He said, the Lord is with us. Fear them not. 
He believed that. He wholly believed that God was with them. He wholly believed that they were going to, the enemy would be their bread. He fully believed God. Faithfulness is hearing God's voice. John chapter 10, the Lord Jesus Christ's own testimony is, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A stranger they will not follow. God is their Lord. God is their master. And he's their only master. Caleb delighted to do God's will, even in the face of what appeared to be an overwhelming opposition. What appeared to be insurmountable odds. Faithfulness, folks, is believing God. Being faithful to God is believing God. It's fully following the Lord. Notice there's made mention of the cloud and the pillar of fire. That's an indication that they did not move until God directed them to move. They followed that cloud. They followed that pillar of fire. They didn't move until the cloud moved. Faithfulness does not run ahead of God's providence. It's content to wait upon the Lord. You know, one of the hard things to do is to wait on God. One of the hardest things to do is to wait on the Lord and to wait for the Lord's direction and wait for the Lord's guidance. We know the Lord is not going to, we don't go out tonight and look at the clouds and get our direction that way. We don't wait till it's nightfall and then look for a pillar of fire. Where do we look to? We look to the word. You look to the word for guidance. You look to the word for direction. You look to the word to faithfully follow God is to follow the word of God fully. So faithfulness follows the voice of God. Secondly, with regard to Caleb, an application for you and I is faithfulness follows Christ even if we stand alone. Now I know it seems cliched, faithfulness standing alone, it may just be you one day, but you realize that is the biblical principle. Caleb and Joshua were standing alone and were facing being stoned for their faithfulness to God. I was reading this morning, Acts chapter 7, about the stoning of Stephen. That man was faithful from the time that God called him to preach and called him to deliver the message. He was faithful even when the first stone was cast. He was faithful when the last stone was cast that took his life. And as he looked up, he sees the glory of God. That's faithfulness. He's standing alone, and Acts 7 makes mention of a young man standing there by the name of Saul, who later would be converted himself, not knowing at that moment that he was witnessing the death of this great prophet that he one day was going to be arrested and converted by the Spirit of God on the road to Damascus. And I think it's safe to say that the Apostle Paul faithfully followed God everywhere God told him to go. Caleb is faithful. So we see Caleb followed the Lord fully. Thirdly, we see that Caleb the faithful did go in and possess the land just like God said would be. The last part of that verse in verse 23 says, Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Caleb believed. Caleb went in. He spoke the truth. I believe that he understood that what God had said could be trusted. 
what God had mentioned, what God had declared, what God had commanded, it was to be obeyed. And that Caleb serves as a living example of what faithfulness is. That's why it's a lesson. It's a lesson for our life. It's a lesson to look at this man and say, here's a picture of faithfulness. Now, I think if I was to ask the question here, and I was to ask, do we want to be found faithful? And my assumption is most everybody under the sound of my voice says, I want to be found faithful. I want to be faithful. I want to be a servant of the Lord. I want to be what God has called me to be. But the Bible does say about Caleb that he was faithful and he followed the Lord all the days of his life. We didn't read this part of it, but if you go back to Joshua 14, there's a, even a greater testimony here about what's being said about his life. If you start in verse number 6 of Joshua 14, I read that first part. Notice what it says here. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear on that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And I now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in the day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said." And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephthah, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthah, the Kenzanite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. What a testimony. Joshua, looking back all those years later, Caleb was 40 years old when he stood firmly before Israel and urged him to believe and take the land. 45 years later, here's Caleb and Joshua still declaring, I still believe God. Give me the inheritance. Give me that mountain. Now, he was not being arrogant. He was taking God at his word. God said, I've given you this land. God said, this is the possession of my people. All Caleb was doing was believing God and claiming what God had already given. When we look at faithfulness today, we have all sorts of gimmicks and all sorts of things that are trying to make people faithful. Can I just say tonight that that all begins with what it said about Caleb who had another spirit in him? The only way we're ever going to find ourselves faithful to God 
is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Folks, you cannot muster up enough self-confidence to be faithful to God. Your self-confidence will crumble when the first trial or the first affliction comes. When the first walled city shows up, when the first thing that you could be facing, and think about this, and, I, and again, we're not, we're not trying to say we're Caleb, right? We're not saying we're Joshua. But there is this principle of faithfulness. There is this principle of following the Lord fully. He had another spirit that was in him. That spirit, he was led by the Spirit of God. He followed the Lord. Following the voice. Following, the, following God even when you stand alone. Maybe for one or all of us, there will come a day when we might be the only one standing. I imagine there will be, when, when the real time of persecution comes, I firmly believe that families will be divided. It'll be family against family. Brothers against brothers and sisters against sisters. And there will be people who faithfully stand and say, I will continue to serve the Lord even though it's dividing everything I've known. See, right now, we don't know really what faithfulness is because we're not really being driven to it right this moment. It's easy to be faithful. It's easy to even consider faithfulness when everything looks good. They had God's promise that the land is yours. All you have to do is go in. All you have to do is possess it. But what did they see? They didn't see with the eyes of faith. They saw with the eyes of flesh. And folks, the flesh will deceive you. The flesh will, will lead you to try to do it yourself. The flesh will lead you to try to take care of everything in your life on your own, and you can't do it. God never said, Caleb and Joshua, I want you to go in there and I want you to take them on physically. He just said, I promised I'll be with you. Caleb followed the Lord fully. He followed the Lord all the days of his life. Was he perfect? No. But you know, the day of our salvation is a day when we often declare and we say, I believe God. I, am, I trust God for everything. And there's a funny thing that happens. I don't mean funny, humorous. But there's this peculiar thing that happens. The further we move away from our salvation, the further we move away from our conversion, we have a little bit harder time saying, I still believe God. I still believe God. I still believe God. Something comes into our life and we ask that question, do I still believe God? Caleb believed God even through all of life's difficulties. All of life's struggles. He said, I believe God. Which leads him all those years later to say, God, give me that mountain. Not because I've earned it, not because I deserved it, but because you promised it. And what a testimony. He wholly followed, followed God. You know, people often stand up and, and uh, at times when, when, when they say goodbye to a loved one or say goodbye to someone, and sometimes we struggle with what to say and we struggle to, to give a good testimony about what they were. And oftentimes, and I've seen this happen, and I'm not 
meaning to be disrespectful about this, but I've seen it happen where people have just struggled and fought to try to say something good about the person. They just, they didn't have anything that they could say. They didn't know what they stood for. They didn't know what they were about. And yet here you have being said about Caleb, that he wholly followed the Lord. Some people we see will follow Christ for what he can give them. Some people will follow Christ just to see the miracles. Some people follow Christ for nothing more than the tradition of being in a church or the tradition of having religion. But every one of those will fall away. At some point, if you're following Christ just for what he can give you, you're following him just for his miracles, or you're following him just simply for the tradition and the custom of being part of a church, you will eventually fall away. It may not be this year, it may not be this month, but you'll eventually fall away. To wholly follow Christ is to wholly know Him. I believe that was the Apostle Paul's great desire, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. Paul didn't want a superficial knowledge of God. He wanted to know more and more and more about God. Those who follow Christ for the wrong reasons will fall away. But those who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who truly have repented and truly believe on Him alone, they love Him. And they will follow Him all the days of their lives. Perfectly? No. But the desire will be there. Look, I know I can't follow God perfectly. I know I'm going to fail I know I'm going to struggle. I know there's even going to be days where I might even ask myself, do I believe as much as I believed the day before? But this one thing I know, I know I love the Lord Jesus Christ and He loves me, not because of anything I've done, not because of what I offer, but because of His goodness. We ought to always be looking and saying, can I have a life of faithfulness? Will I be faithful when the difficult times come? Will I be faithful when the persecution comes? Simply tonight, this is just a lesson from the life of Caleb, and I hope we'll get the lesson tonight. Maybe simple, maybe simple thoughts tonight, but I hope it's helpful to us. Let's conclude our time tonight by singing the hymn on 294, 294, O Fount of Love.